I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is The Dark Side of Dentistry, the shit no one talks about. I'm a life and business coach and a dentist to oncology patients. I teach how to break through self-doubt, fear of failure, and overworking so dentistry and your life doesn't have to suck. In this episode, I have brought four incredible women dentists who are going to take us on a journey over the next couple of episodes. We'll be talking about work, life, kids, and being a woman dentist in our profession. Welcome to the dark side of dentistry, the shit no one talks about. Today, I'm so excited. We're launching it with a table of women who are absolutely amazing within the dental profession. And I'm so excited to be here sharing these moments with you. And right off the bat, we're just going to get into everything. And so I'm not going to be introducing everyone. Everyone's actually going to be introducing themselves. So I'm going to pass it off to Dr. Sonia Chopra. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi, everyone. I'm Sonia. I am born and raised in upstate New York, a little tiny town called Vestal, New York, and um, grew up in a very um, just simple family, Indian American family. So I had um, a few options of what I could be when I grew up, and that was either a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, or an engineer. Um, So I picked dentistry, (laughs) and I went to the University of Maryland for dental school. Um, I graduated there in 2003. After that, I decided that I was going to go to New York City for a year of my life, that was my promise to myself. So I did a GPR in Brooklyn, New York. And then I loved it so much. I stayed there for a few more years as a general dentist and worked in New York City for two years. Realized that my one true love was endo. And I went back to school and applied everywhere, but got into Nova Southeastern University down in South Florida, finished my endo residency, and then moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. My um, I got proposed to while I was a resident, moved to Charlotte to be with my husband-to-be and um, started my own practice from scratch. And I have been in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina ever since. And that was in 2008. Now we're in 20, what, 21? And here I am. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Amanda, Dr. Amanda Trotti. Hello. So I'm Amanda. Um, I am a born and bred New Yorker. Um, Grew up and was um, raised in the Bronx, New York. I went to University of Rochester. So as soon as uh, Sonia said, Vestal, New York, and I'm like, I know exactly where that is. (laughs) And um, graduated in 1999. I went to Columbia University School of Dental and Oral Surgery in New York City, back to my uh, old hometown. I graduated in 2003. It was there where I met my husband, who I affectionately call either the hot bald guy or the other Dr. Trotty, okay? And um, we met in first year of dental school and pretty much like I knew that was it. Like we were were gonna be together. So we've been been together over half my life. It's interesting uh, how life, you know, throws curveballs at you. Um, We found out we were expecting our first daughter about um, two weeks after graduation, surprise. <laughs> so um, I had actually started an EEGD at uh, Stony Brook University. And um, my daughter, Serena, was born in January of uh, 2004. And I actually decided not to go back to my residency after Serena was born. Went out into private practice uh, in the spring of 2004. And uh, in 2006, we decided to move up to Toronto because that is where my husband is from. And I fell in love with the city. I love it here. Um, This is my home now. And uh, we've been living here since 2006. My husband has purchased an office. He's had it for about 11 years. I myself do not own. Um, I contract out of an independent hygiene clinic. And for those of you guys who are not from uh, Canada or uh, outside of um, province of Ontario, hygienists are self-regulated healthcare professionals here. They are allowed to practice uh, unsupervised. And so that is the practice that I work in. 
um, I contract out of um, that kind of office and I absolutely love the office. I love it. I kind of work for myself. I don't deal with another principal dentist um, and I kind of have all the perks of ownership and independent work without kind of having to deal with the stresses of it. But life is good. Um, our son, the other, I, I call my children the spawn. <laughs> the other spawn was born in 2008. So I have two kids. And um, and I introduced you to my dog before. Yeah, life is good. Can't complain. You know, I, I love practicing dentistry in Canada. And, and it's been an interesting road. And I'm sure we'll touch uh, upon that later on in the series, Jess. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, passing it to Dr. Shivani Barto. Hi, thank you for having me here. Um, my name is Shivani. I am also from New York. So we have a lot, <laughs> we're representing here. And funnily enough, Sonia and I are from the same small town. So what are the chances? Um, I'm also from upstate New York. My um, dad is a general dentist and he's had his practice there my whole life. So I was born and raised there and um, went to dental or I went to college at University at Buffalo. So very snowy and cold. <laughs> and I uh, went to dental school at University of Michigan. And I uh, met my husband while in dental school. We were in the same class, we were classmates, which I know a little taboo, but uh, worked out. So <laughs> we um, moved together to San Antonio, Texas. He decided to specialize and pursue, um, he did a residency in prosthodontics. And we recently just finished our time in San Antonio and uh, moved to Okinawa, Japan. So he is also serving in the US Navy. So we've been stationed here for three years. And for me, that means my career has kind of taken interesting turn, turns that I never really expected. And um, I worked as an associate private practice general dentist in Texas. And now in Japan, I'm taking a break from clinical dentistry and focusing a bit more on some of the other parts of my life that I am really passionate about. So I am also a yoga teacher. I am um, really into, big into wellness and personal development. And so I'm working on creating um, a bridge between these two realms of my life, dentistry and wellness, and um, showing people and sharing through my experience how it's been able to positively impact my life and my profession and how we all as dentists, when we take better care of ourselves, we can serve our communities better um, and wanting to, to share that through this next chapter. So thank you for having me here. I also do have a cute, just one fur baby um, and she's napping next to me right now. So um, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, so excited. Thank you. Dr. Keely Matheson, your turn. Thanks, Jess. And thanks for organizing this. It's really great bringing everybody together. Um, hey, guys, I'm Keely. Uh, I'm part of the Canadian contingent uh, up here, but I'm on the other coast. So born and raised Victoria, British Columbia. That's a tiny, on a tiny island off the West Coast. So if you know Vancouver, take a boat over. Uh, that's Victoria, at least that's how I describe it to uh, everyone down south. Um, so born and raised here, I usually say this is kind of what's shaped me um, because the West Coast is nice and wild and there's tons of beautiful nature. And so I've grown up just kind of in that and in kind of experiencing the the beauty of, of slowing down and just kind of moving, moving with that pace. But I also wanted to experience things outside of that. So did my undergrad in Vancouver. That was a, a bit of a step up. Decided my dad's a dentist as well. Uh, decided that uh, that was going to be my path and trucked on over to Boston University, where I met some pretty awesome people, Jessica included. Um, and, you know, I had an amazing time in dental school, enjoyed the city of Boston, always loved to travel. So uh, that really fulfilled uh, a big part of, of that for me. Um, and then, you know, with all the decisions you make in your last year of dental school, um, decided that, you know, I was going to go back and uh, start practicing with my dad. Um, we'll get a little into more of that later in terms of that decision and, and uh, going with that. But uh, came back to Victoria, moved in with the parents for the first six months. Of course, that doesn't last very long, um, but quickly kind of got on my feet in terms of working for the practice 
um, settling back into home lifestyle, getting back into that slow down mode of, of just how the West Coast is, uh, as opposed to a bigger city. Um, and yeah, I've cultivated a really, in the last six years, a really kind of full life. Um, I do run the, the practice now. So my dad only shows up to work about one day a week. Um, and that's brought its challenges. Um, some good and some some hard, but um, for the most part, I've grown a ton in this this last little bit. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to share that with everybody. And I'm really excited to hear about everybody else's kind of stories in terms of how like, this is the start. So uh, how we, we've come to where we are now. Uh, thank you so much. Ladies, I am absolutely honored to be here with you ladies um, recording this because not only are you really close and near and dear to my heart, but um, are also huge role models in my life as well. And I wanted to be able to share not only your stories, but then have these open conversations about what we're going to be talking about over the next three episodes, like why dentistry? What keeps you coming back to dentistry? What is it that you didn't expect existed in here? Work-life balance, having kids, building a family, and then being a woman in this profession. And so just before we kind of go into a little bit more, I'll share a little bit about who I am. And I attended undergrad in London, Ontario, where it took me five years to graduate because I changed programs four times, because you can be in whatever program you want, you just need the prerequisites for dental school. And then after that, headed over to Boston University, which is where I met Keely, and Keely and I, we were roommates for two years. And then after dental school, returned home to Toronto, where I completed a hospital residency program fell in love with treating medically compromised patients and migrated my way over to the cancer center, which is where I stayed for five years. And then I was like, you know what, it's time for a lifestyle change. And six and a half months ago, I moved across the country and I'm now on Vancouver Island uh, with <laughs> Keely, <laughs> which is amazing. And it's been a amazing change and moving into exactly what I talk about. And that's why one of the reasons why I decided to make that move was because if I'm going to be helping others and coaching others with this and having these conversations, then I better be living what I'm talking about as well, which is what we're doing here today. So now here's the thing. We all just shared that nice, neat package. And when we think about our CVs or how we got to where we got to today, we think of going from point A to point B and having this straight line, but it's not a straight line, right? It's all the kind of zigzags, 10 steps back, 20 steps forward that we end up kind of getting into. And this is where I wanna to start to shed light on all the in-betweens that happen because dentistry can make you feel like you're very alone, especially if you're working in an office where you might be the sole provider or you don't necessarily have that relationship with your coworkers. And because of COVID, we're not necessarily seeing as many people to have those open conversations. And so that's what we're going to do today. So now I wanna swing this back around and I wanna talk about the nitty gritty stuff that happens in between the CV lines that look really polished. So Sonia, I'm gonna pass it back to you and if, you feel comfortable sharing something challenging that happened in your life along your journey? Yeah. So like I said, I was a startup. I was a scratch startup. And um, right there, that's a huge challenge because nothing in dental school teaches you anything about the business, about leadership or, you know, how to run a team or even like how to fill out your first insurance claim. So a lot of the things that I learned, I was completely on my own. Um, I had also moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, not knowing anybody. And I was a specialist, right? So relationships are, were really important to the growth of my practice. And I really struggled. Um, because it's like cold calling, right? You go to a practice and you hope that they give you the time of day and they really didn't. And that really hurt my confidence in the beginning because um, a lot of people didn't take me seriously. I mean, to be honest, like I even looked for a job and I couldn't find a job 
So I had two options, be unemployed or open my own practice. Like nobody took me seriously. I looked little. I was this girl that didn't really, um, you know, what, what could I bring? What kind of value could I bring to somebody's practice that was already established? Like, and I could tell that that's why they didn't hire me. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to figure this one out on my own. And I literally did it on my own. I didn't have um, anyone to ask questions to. And that, that was really hard on me. And I guess I just, now that I look back, I'm like, I must have just internalized all this stuff. And then, you know, like my family started to grow and I had babies. I'm a mother of three and I feel like I was pregnant for like an entire decade. And that comes with like hormones and like trying to do like a root canal in number two when you're like 40 weeks pregnant. Cause I was always, I always got that big. <laughs> I never went into labor early. And so just trying to navigate like all those emotions and hormones all at the same time and the amount of stress. Cause when I moved to Charlotte, Charlotte, um, Charlotte is still growing. And so my practice grew no matter what I tried to do. And I really couldn't keep up with it. I was a really bad leader. And I, I was like, I call myself now the queen of turnover because I couldn't handle a team. I couldn't, I didn't know how to like be an authentic boss. I, I, I didn't know how to communicate well. I, I, I feel like I had a lot of people who hated me, to be honest. And that really kind of probably, it, it has scarred me and it has taken me to a point where sometimes I don't even trust relationships now because of how my employee boss relationships have ended up. And that's probably been my biggest challenge. A lot of, I, I think if you ask any dentist, like what's your biggest challenge running a practice? The, the number one answer is, is staff and running a team. And it really took a lot of soul searching and a lot of self-discovery to figure out what kind of leader I wanted to be. I, I think I played the blame game a lot. I used to point the finger at everybody else. And then I hired a coach and she made me point that finger back at me. And when I started to realize that I was the only person that I could change, um, that's when things around me started to change. So I started to go internally and figuring out you know, how do I want to be perceived? How can I help other people? And what can I do differently for just myself that is going to change my environment around me? And that's kind of where I started to grow. And now I can honestly say, like, I finally love going to work. I've finally figured out how to create this work-life balance. And I finally have a team that supports me, but I support back and we can co-elevate each other and really see all of our visions kind of come to life together but it took me 13 years just saying <laughs> well I have a I have a question for you uh, Sonia because what you have communicated to me and to this group like this is what I'm taking from it you know I'm gonna be fun people perceived you as a bitch is that yeah, correct pretty okay. much okay yes that I think is a very, very common thread among female practice owners yeah. and female business leaders. And I, I hate to pull the woman card, but I even found myself falling prey to that too as an associate. I think I viewed some of the female principles that I worked with a little bit differently than I did the male uh, principles that I worked with. It, it was almost like, I don't know, it, for lack of a better uh, phrase, like maybe they got more of a pass. And I think sometimes they do get more of a pass in terms of like, you know, strong leadership and also how the staff respond to it. And I'm sure, you know, you all have uh, um, experienced this. Dental offices are very, very toxic places in, you know, in my experience. And the very qualities that can make women strong leaders can also bring out the worst in a team of women. It's like an individual person is, you know, is good, but when you get a group of people together, it's not good. And you get some of those personalities together. And, and especially when people get territorial over certain duties and 
you know, even you as the boss, I'm sure that you're questioning your leadership. It's like, what does she know? Especially being a younger, you know, dentist, if you have staff that are older, older women too, they'll question your leadership. They'll question your decision-making and they'll get nasty. It's nasty. It's, it's nasty. I actually have never been able to hire anyone older than me. And I had to, I started that early on. Like I've always hired younger. Um, I don't know what it was. And now, I, I mean, yeah, it's just my, my default at this point. But I, in the beginning, I hired some older assistants and it just, within two weeks, it didn't turn out right because it was their way. And I wanted, I guess, things my way, you know, like it was my brand new practice. And, um, you know, I just... I wanted to set the protocols a certain way and it, it just wasn't in alignment with that other individual. Um, but yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I've noticed that I've, I really hire younger. I just have that <laughs> tendency. No, I hear you on that. I remember my first year at the cancer center and the chief of dentistry at the time pulled me aside and said, okay, you're a young woman and patients are going to treat you differently and mm -hmm. the staff is going to treat you differently. And you're probably going to be the new dentist for a while. And mm -hmm. so you're going to have to show up and be a specific way and sometimes have to put people in their place in this. And he, and I remember sitting there just baffled being like, what? <laughs> like I didn't realize how much of being a female this was going to affect then how I'm perceived as a dentist and so that that's huge and there is such a misunderstanding of when we are direct and how being assertive is actually construed as being aggressive and when right like there's all this misconceptions about women or how it's then interpreted oh i already love this conversation and like where it's going um amanda do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your life and kind of a little bit that's happened in between the polished lines. Oh my God. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> oh my God. So much has happened. Like seriously. Um, so I'll touch on one thing for myself. I, I told you that I had um, left my AEGD when I had my daughter. So I completed six months of my AEGD. And I didn't feel like the program was the right fit for me. I think because I was pregnant, my head was in a different space. Um, I didn't click with my co-residents. Um, it was just, it just wasn't the kind of place. And I think if I were in a different place in a, in a different residency, I might have, I might have stuck it out. It was between um, Stony Brook, and that was about an hour away from my house. And then there was another hospital that was very, very close by that was a GPR. It was kind of crusty, right? It was like a GPR, but it was like, you know, gunshots and all that stuff. <laughs> it was a trauma center, um, but it was so close, right? And I, and I went to the interview, it was between this place and Stony Brook. And I was like, oh, Stony Brook is a little more elite. I won't have to be on call. And this was the decision that I made even before I, I found out I was pregnant. Um, so I wanted to do Stony Brook because like, oh, it's going to be so fancy. I'm going to do all these like, you know, crazy prosthetic procedures and da, da, da. And, you know, I just didn't feel very comfortable there. So when I left, because in the States, a lot, um, a lot of students, they choose to do some sort of like postgraduate, either a GPR or a specialist, and especially coming from at least my school, they made you feel like you couldn't do anything unless you had some sort of postgraduate training, even a GPR, right? Which even in a GPR, you don't cut many crowns. Like you do a lot of surgery, but you don't cut many crowns. You don't do much presto. Um, you do rotations like anesthesiology rotations, which are all very useful. It's great, but it's not really like private practice, right? But I had this complex when I started looking for jobs that I'm like, well, I didn't finish my residency. I kind of felt like a little inadequate. Right. And I was trying to figure out, trying to navigate what my priorities were. Like I had this amazing, beautiful baby at home and I wanted to work. But then some part of me was just like, ah, I, I don't know. I don't want this grind. It really shaped how um, how I was as a practitioner and the decisions that I made moving forward. 
And even the decision that my husband and I made to, you know, grow our family, right? You know, Serena was a surprise. Like it was, it was a surprise and it all worked out like really, really perfectly. Uh, I couldn't have asked for anything better, but to, to say that this was an easy road. No, it it really wasn't. Um, Would I go back and do it? Yeah, of course. I would never say I wouldn't go back and do it again. I, like I said, my, my, my kids are awesome. Right. But would it be, you know, a choice that I would make to someone else? No, because I spent a lot of my career feeling inadequate. Like, wow, I didn't finish this training. I didn't, I didn't finish this program. And um, I had some people who, when I would interview for offices, um, they kind of like, oh, you didn't finish your, your GPR. I'm like, well, okay, I know, but I can do this. And most of the time in private practice, you started doing hygiene anyway. It really didn't make much of a difference, but I still carried that with me um, for a few, you know, about a year, year and a half, you know, until I moved to um, Toronto and when here, it doesn't really matter. Now I, I teach at uh, U of T and when I speak to the students, they're all planning on going right out to private practice. And even myself, I'm like, really? Like, oh my God, you're going to, you're going to do that. Right. Like, yeah, you're not going to do an EGD or GPR, but I know it's different, right? It's, it's, it's a little bit different over here, but I carry that with me and I tend to be um, a little bit more on the, on the insecure side uh, to begin with. Um, and so that, that, was that was hard you know that was hard for myself and I got more comfortable doing certain procedures because I am a general dentist some of them was just like I went to a few CE courses I'm like okay yeah I can do this and other times it was just like here you're gonna do this it's like okay the very very first office well one of the first offices that I worked in it was in Manhattan and it was it was a cool practice it was the practice that I I stayed in until we moved to Canada. So it was in, um, it was in Harlem and, um, it was an awesome office. So my assistant was, um, a dentist from Cuba and she was the one who taught me how to do extractions. (laughs) She was like, you're not holding your elevator the right way. And I'm like, Oh, okay. She was, she was amazing. Like in, in New York, um, assistants have way more free reign than they do here so she was packing cord taking crown impressions making temporaries um little hush hush uh, extracting teeth after hours <laughs> for some of the <laughs> some of the indigent members of the community um but i actually learned quite a bit from her and that was how i developed a lot of my skill was just kind of like being thrown into it and like, just, okay, you gotta, you gotta go ahead and do it. Right. And that was where I learned so much, probably more than any like hospital residency could have taught me. Right. And, and the stuff that we learned in school is just so different than what is in private practice. The materials have changed, the techniques have changed, the attitudes have changed, the patients have changed, everything has changed, but I always carried that with me. And then even with the decision on whether or not to own an office, having my daughter so early in my career, I felt like I had to catch up, you know, to, to everyone else, that everybody else, you know, finished their residencies, they specialized. I had wanted to specialize. I don't know. It changed every, every month <laughs> what I wanted to do. But I was like, yeah, you know, I think I want to, I think I want to do, you know, perio. I think I wanted to do endo. Those are the two that I really had given serious consideration. And, and when I had my child, I'm like, oh, I can't do that anymore. You know, not that I can't, but it was like, how am I going to swing this financially? I mean, the, the big ugly truth with dental school is that, I mean, I had to finance it. I had to borrow money and I'm still paying it off with interest. So when you start a family so early in your career, um, either on purpose or, you know, by kismet, that shapes things as well. Uh, so I think to get to where I am now, I took a very, very circuitous path. I went through a lot of like uh, self-exploration, self-doubt, um, feelings of inadequacy, uh, bumps in the road. I can say now that um, I feel 
like a little bit more comfortable in my own professional skin uh, than I did many years ago. And that's just part of the process of growing and evolving. But the, the part of my personality is just always to feel a little bit neurotic, you know, a little tiny bit inadequate. But thankfully, as I've gotten older, um, that has shrunk. And now that my my daughter is going to be applying to university and she wants to um, go into one of the regulated health professionals in medicine in particular, and I see parts of myself and her and uh, how you know, how driven she is, how motivated she is, but also how neurotic she is. And it's like, oh my God, you have like a, a whole long, colorful, circuitous path ahead of you. And it's like, it's exciting, but it's like, I feel so bad for, for when I see new grads or people who are going into this profession. I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea what you're, what you're getting into. You know, I mean, it's, it's awesome, but it really is emotionally taxing and full of self-doubt. Now, maybe some people are more confident than I am and it worked out awesome for them and their paths are a little bit easier, but I know for myself, no, no, not easy. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one experiencing that self-doubt. And that's why, mm -hmm. that's why we're all here with this. Cause I was even jotting notes down to like bring this back around afterwards, but the perception of how we view ourselves and mm -hmm. how that negative talk is so loud and how it either got ingrained from a little kid, but how it continued to get perpetuated within dental school and then how we took it out afterwards uh, with us. And that can come, come up on a daily basis, right? Of, I can't do this extraction. I shouldn't be the one to do this extraction or whether it's endo or seeing certain patients or giving blocks and the anxiousness that then comes with it. And so this is huge. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that because it makes the rest of us realize that we're not alone in this when that doubt starts to pop up. And so Shivani coming over to you, what have you noticed along your path where there was that bump in the road and you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of those moments. Um... I definitely, I think I had a really unique perspective within the path of dental school and um, and my first few years of associateship because I, so I did my yoga teacher training in, in 2012, well before I started dental school. And I feel like it gave me this foundation and a, a different perspective and a lens to view the world and a different way to handle stress than many of my peers like I, I didn't really know anyone else in dental school who had gone through you know I think of yoga as like the OG personal development <laughs> um, it's kind of got like all of the, the, the yoga philosophy not just like the asana the physical practice but it, it teaches you how to manage stress and how to to move through different difficulties in your life and so having all this knowledge and then going through a super stressful educational program going through dental school and then going through my first three years of practice, which I sounds like is like the most challenging for everyone. But and having these tools, it gave me this different viewpoint of seeing everyone around me um, struggle in ways in the same ways that I was struggling, but I kind of had different tools to reach for. And I don't know if that's quite making sense. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I from the background that I came from, and especially like I mentioned, my dad's a dentist as well. So kind of like seeing um, seeing other people in the profession, not necessarily him, but his colleagues and being exposed to the profession, seeing how common burnout was, how common, how not common it is to talk about failure um, and to, to see that there is this whole dark side that people don't talk about. And going through uh, this yoga teacher training, feeling as though I have a really strong background in personal development and then experiencing it myself, I still struggled with the same stuff. Like I still had really big, big failures through my professional career. I, I really struggled with imposter phenomenon. Um, and I was, I think even harder on myself and I was more frustrated with myself because I was like, I have the tools, like I know what to do. Like I've already done the work, right? Like I've done the work once of how to overcome these struggles. Why am I still struggling with it? And I felt like I was on this loop and I couldn't really get off of it. Like 
I felt like, okay, once I'm done with dental school, I'll have more time to, to dedicate to these things. And it's that, that um, cycle we get on where we say like, when that happens, then I'll be happy, that type of thing. And so I was, I think, very difficult with and very hard on myself, um, trying to understand why I was still struggling with the same things that I saw everyone around me struggling with. But I felt like I understood it on a deeper level. Like I felt like I could have an out of body experience, like view myself going through the stress, know how to get myself out of it, but I still couldn't avoid it. And I think that's taught me a lot in the sense that like stress in your life is, in, is inevitable. Like no matter what, you're always gonna, there's always gonna be challenges. Um, and it's having the tools available to you and implementing it and kind of getting better at it each time. Like I'm never gonna get to a point in my life where there's no stress ever. Um, and I think that was a, a story I was telling myself that like one day I'm going to get to a point in my life where there's no stress and that's a total lie. And I didn't really realize, I think that, was, <laughs> I don't, it, it sounds great though, right? That <laughs> sounds like a fairy tale ending. Um, and so that's one of the, the bigger challenges I learned along the way is it's a false story to believe that at a certain point in your life, everything is just going to be perfect. Um, and it takes a lot of practice and challenge and it doesn't matter if I've know the tools, if I've done the work um, 10 years ago, it still takes like daily implementation and there's going to be backslide and there's going to be a constant reminder and um, the challenges we go through life are, are kind of like a test and opportunity to practice those things. And one thing I love is that it's a dental practice, it's a yoga practice, it's two things in life that you're never going to have be a complete master at you're always going to be a student um so those were two I guess two of the big things I learned that are in between the lines of my resume <laughs> hey, that hit home I don't know about you guys but that, that hit home for totally. me with the getting stuck in that personal growth development loop where you're just like I know I know this why like why am I still angry with myself why am I still getting or not being able to get over certain things, why am I still stuck? And that's hard. That's hard, especially when you're consistently doing the work, you can get stuck in that trap and then that's a whole different hole in and of itself that you can, <laughs> that you can end up down, right? And a part of what I'm starting to realize, especially as that high achiever and consistently pushing your goals over that cognitive horizon and never actually embracing them or enjoying that happiness along the way is starting to build self-compassion and that is so hard I find like trying mm. to find self-compassion even within a day when a patient comes in and things don't necessarily go according to plan or you're having a conversation that all of a sudden dingo is planned either and you're just like oh my goodness why is this going wrong again and it's so easy to be able to slip into that um, I'm going to pass this over to Keely. Keely, tell me a little bit about in between those polished CV lines as well. Well, it's so interesting that I'm going at the end because I feel like I'm a mosaic of a lot of things that you guys have, have already touched on. Um, yeah, so going back to Amanda's comment about, you know, that pressure of what you're going to do after dental school, um, I touched on, you know, I did very well in dental school. So my teachers were all like, okay, what are you going to do next? You know, are you going to, you going to specialize? Are you going to, and, and I felt like I was almost underachieved, just, just not kind of um, making, making a, a great decision by saying, oh, I'm going to go and work with my dad in private practice. It just made me feel guilty. Like I wasn't, I wasn't doing enough. Um, it, again, you came back to what you were saying about, um, uh, you know, feeling, feeling like I wasn't going to know enough, you know, what, what was I going to do? But everyone said, oh, you'll have your dad to mentor you. So, you know, you, you have something to lean on. And, and that was, that was really great. I'm very lucky to have, to have had that, but um, there's definitely this emphasis on um, that, that growth period happening in more school. And not to say that it can't happen, but, you know, it was, it was one of those, those moments where I really felt outside of, um, you know, the, the school environment, like I was like the outcast, uh, not, not choosing this path of more education. Um, and you know, it, it all settles out when you, when you go and, and take the path and, and that you, uh, that you choose, but, 
Um, when I landed at home, you know, it was kind of that having the mentor as my dad, but also realizing that I just walked into a practice where there's been a, a 40 year practitioner and he has shaped his entire practice to his liking to, you know, to what my dad learned in the years that, that he has, you know, been a dentist and, and grown through that. Um, so, you know, my initial impression was I'm going to sit back and I'm going to, I'm just going to watch and I'm, I'm not going to uh, say a lot. I'm going to be the associate, but pretty quickly, I, I learned that that power dynamic between a female leader and a male leader, especially one where you're young and the daughter of the practice owner. Um, you just, you kind of wear a bit of a target because as you're saying with the staff being, um, they, they can be manipulative. You can have, um, you know, people coming to you, but, but giving you things that you can't fix. So it was constantly a battle of, well, I've got all these problems on my plate and I want to fix them, but I'm not in a position because I don't have the skills. I certainly don't have the, the leadership skills yet. I barely have the dental school skills. Um, I just, I'm a green dentist um, coming out and, and I've just been loaded up with those things. So that was probably my biggest struggle coming out was, you know, it wasn't even the dentistry. Um, it was, it was all the interpersonal. And as I say, my dad crafted a beautiful practice, but in a way that he um, wanted, and it, it really wasn't my vision for how I wanted to, to move forward. Um, uh, it's, it's a, a practice where people are really loyal. They really stuck with him for a really long time, but that also puts on this extra pressure um, of, well, they're not going to want to see me. I, you know, I'm, I'm his daughter, but people are really, they, they just want to see who, you know, who they've been seeing for the last 40 years. So, uh, you know, it's, there was all these added dimensions that I, I didn't necessarily take stock in when I, when I first made the decision, you know, it just doesn't even register because you're just trying to get out of school. Um, but, but those kind of were my, my first uh, throws into, okay, I'm really, um, this is, this is real. Um, as I got more confident, you know, things started to, to get better, but, but then it became, you know, you're starting to take over. I get a little more of that control. Um, but I'm also still dealing with the power dynamic of a male versus female, uh, leadership and, and, and just, you know, honoring, honoring what's been, what's been done in the practice before, whilst also trying to grow it in a way that I think is sustainable. Sonia, I kind of registered with you in terms of being a, a leader that struggled at the beginning. I have the, I have a problem of being more of an appeaser. I, I back down too easily. And um, so initially my, my staff just, they just got everything they wanted. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it was a really great learning experience, I will say. It just, it taught me that, okay, you know what, making a firm decision doesn't mean um, I'm a, a harsh person. It just, you know, it, it, because I always took that as being, you know, I'm a, um, a bitch like you said it perfectly, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you, when you say those, uh, those things like, no, you know, um, we can't do it this way. I really, I need you to, you know, do this or, um, whatever it may be, whatever decision you're, you're trying to move them towards, um, it, you feel like you're the one who, who always wears the, uh, the blame when, when things don't go right, you know, initially you'll suggest something and you know, we moved from full, full analog, full paper charts, uh, non-digital x-rays to full digital. And so, you know, when you're the one who's suggesting that it's just in, and you have to then carry it through, um, you weather a lot of the pains along the way, even though the end goal is there, you have it in mind. It's just, every day can be a battle in the, in between. And so it's just those, those kind of stepping stones that have, have really kind of yeah, been challenging. Um, but as I say, I've been lucky in, in so many ways too, to have my father as a mentor. Um, so in that, in that I was, uh, very, very guided, but, um, at the same time, I, 
kind of what we, the struggles you guys have all laid out, um, it's, it's amazing how much those can, can just weigh on you. And they, they do weigh on how you feel about your profession. I've certainly gone through ups and downs on, do I really want to continue this? Do I really want to have every day be such a, a hard day? And so that's kind of, I think what we're getting into the meat of is, you know, how we, how we kind of see the light and, and not take every day as being, this is what it's going to be like for the next 40 years kind of thing. Uh, Shivani, you, you touched on kind of having that, that toolkit. And for me, it's, it's my upbringing of living in a beautiful place and having, you know, nature in my backyard. That's what I use as kind of my outlet. Um, love yoga as well, but, um, I just love going for hikes and run uh, runs and stuff. And so luckily for me, I can do that and just mostly let things go. But that said, you know, you have a bad day at work, you have a bad sleep and it can become a perpetual emotion of, you know, when am I going to get off this hamster wheel? So it is a constant, you constantly have to just reevaluate. Am I, am I going in the right direction? Am I happy? You know, that sort of thing balance, but no, I'm pretty lucky um, in where I live. It, it definitely sets the tone for me. <laughs> I remember when Keely and I first had a conversation. This was probably about a year after we graduated. So I had finished my residency at this point. And it is, there's such a huge mentality shift from East Coast to West Coast with days working and what you're putting in and that achiever mentality and stuff. And so Keely, right from the get-go, was four days a week and just listen to like what she wanted. And then there was me who was working six, seven days a week, hoping that I could eventually get to that four days, but I couldn't put a timeline on it because the expectation, especially being in Ontario at that time was, well, what are you doing then if you're not doing dentistry? It's like you weren't allowed to necessarily have a life outside of dentistry, which then I just got involved in more dentistry. And that's what led me down kind of my deep, dark hole of just overworking and then thinking exactly what you said, Keely, that hard day is going to be every day. And now I have to make it through the next 25, 30 years, which that's daunting. And when I go back to that mindset of, oh my goodness, I'm starting to wish away the next 25, 30 years of my career. That's when I know I'm like, okay, something needs to shift. Something needs to change. But everyone just kept saying, okay, tough it out, tough it out. And you hear that. And when you hear the tough it out, you think that you're doing something wrong, that what you're feeling, what you necessarily can't share with someone, those doubts, those fears, those learning experiences, right? You think that you're out on a branch all on your own. And so I do, I want to bring this to, because we all have a reason of why we chose dentistry. And so that's where I want to talk about why did we cho choose dentistry? And for me, when I look into back into why I chose it. I remember, so my godmother is a dentist and in grade seven, one day a month when I had my braces, she would take the day off and my parents would drop me off at her place. She would take me to my ortho appointment and then we would come home and we would bake the rest of the day. It was the funnest thing ever. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh man, this is a profession that is going to be able to give me financial stability because I saw what they were able to uh, work towards. And then it was going to give me flexibility. And then I started dentistry and realized, <laughs> does that actually exist? And so what I thought I was going to get in dentistry, that's where I, then I questioned, I'm like, okay, so why did you guys choose dentistry? Sonia, why don't you go first? I like the, uh, the order, right? <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I kind of told you why. I'm, I'm Indian, so I had no choice. <laughs> so that's really my main motivator. Um, if I didn't, I was a failure to my parents. Um, my mom is an anesthesiologist and my dad is an engineer, so I had to do one of those. And my brother is a neuroradiologist, so I'm actually the dumb one in my family. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I had to do something, but to be honest, I was born without eight teeth. And so I was always at the dentist, like legit. I was always at the dentist actually after 
um, I graduated high school, I had a dental appointment once a week until I went to college. So I just kind of had a lot of experience being in that chair, but I also remember looking back at my mom, always being on call and missing my dance recitals. And I could see how much pain that brought her. And I knew she didn't want to miss it. And I realized like, I was like, I really, like, I love medicine. It had like between my mom and my brother that there was such a heavy medical influence in my life, but I knew I didn't want to be on call. I wanted to be able to be in control of my schedule. I mean, from like the age of like seven, I knew that, which was crazy. And so I felt like, okay, well maybe dentistry is what's good for me. But little did I know I needed to be like an artist to do it. So that's why I ended up in endo. But, um, you know, I, I really was naive in a lot of ways, but um, I think there's a lot of strategy to be to be had when it comes to creating your life in dentistry. And when you understand that, like, I'm like the absolute opposite of Shivani. Like, there's no Zen about me. I am like fire. Okay. And so like, I've just learned that good strategy gives me the time that I need to be able to do everything that I want. So that's my story. I love it. I'm going to pass this off to Shivani because she's the, like you said, the, the opposite of, of, of you. So Shivani, so talk about, <laughs> yeah. So why, so why dentistry for you? <clears throat> well, why dentistry also come from Indian parents, but they were not as overt with their expectations. It was like reverse psychology. My dad's yep. a dentist, as I've mentioned. Your parents are cooler than mine, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> they are super cool. Yeah. Um, I, I do love your parents. So if they listen to this, <laughs> um, but yeah, my parents are very like open-minded forward thinking. They let me really explore different parts of myself. Um, like my dad's the one that encouraged me to do a yoga teacher training when I was so young. They encouraged me to go on some like cr crazy travel adventures, like discover myself, that that whole thing. Uh, and when I, they gave me that freedom to explore anything in the world I wanted to be, I got really overwhelmed and I got honestly a little scared because I didn't really know, you know, I, I had only really seen my dad practice as a successful dentist, have the time flexibility, the financial stability that I really wanted. and in my life. And I, I couldn't find another career like that, where I was able to get all of these things and bring all these things into my life um, with the lowest amount of stress. That was kind of the goal. I, I wanted this lifestyle um, and I didn't really know how else to get there other than through dentistry. And so because they pushed me out to do whatever it is I wanted, I ended up coming back and deciding to go into the same field. Um, and I've shared this before, but one of the challenges I came up with, there was like a point in, in college where I was still pre-dental, but really struggling with some of the courses. And I was like, I just don't know if this is for me. My sister is also a dentist. She was in dental school during this time. And I called her and I was like, I'm changing my major. Like, I'm totally going to go be this hippie farmer on an, on a farm, like organic farm. Like, I can't do this. And she's like, you know, I know you're super passionate about it. One day you'll have your farm, you'll have your yoga studio, whatever it is you want, but just stick it out, like do the work, go to get into dental school, go to dental school, get the degree, and then do whatever you want after that. And so that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. And I think I just kind of forgot about it. And I don't encourage people to go down the this career path for that same reason. But I'm glad that she told me that because I don't think I would have ever pushed myself. I would have never been able to see, like be able to experience that I am really intelligent. I can accomplish hard things. I can do this, this really challenging career and I can help people um, and attain the lifestyle that I want. It's within my power. And now it's a choice. It's not um, a struggle that I have to make. So she's kind of pushed me to continue down this path. Uh, I think I forgot about that for a little bit. And, um, you know, as a woman that my parents, I mentioned are very forward thinking, it had never once crossed my mind what would happen to my career when a partner came into the picture. Like, I don't think I've ever had one conversation before I met my husband. Um, before him, I don't think I, it, it ever crossed my mind that 
my career may have to take a back seat or at some point in my life, I may choose to stop working. I just, it, it, it never occurred to me that someone else's career might need to go first or that there may need to be a compromise because it was always you chase after your own dream and you want to be the most successful as almost like an independent person. Uh, and so that was a, a challenge as well. Once we, once I decided to go into dentistry and become a dentist, and now I'm in this position where I can't practice dentistry because I'm putting my husband's career before mine. Um, and so it's making me miss this profession that I worked so hard to get to. Um, but in the back of my mind, I also have what my sister told me. Now it's my opportunity to do whatever I want. Start my start my commune, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is I want to do. Um, but I always have this like beautiful skill to help people and to fall back on for, for financial independence if that's something that I ever need. So um, I think that answered the question, why dentistry and what kept me coming back? Like I ended up really falling in love with the profession and I would have never given myself that opportunity had I not gotten that push from my family. That's amazing when we start to look at our environment, because this then goes into even the environment that we work in and how that can shape our own moods that how we show up, right? So that supportive environment, who we then surround ourselves inside and outside the operatory as well. So, okay, Amanda, I'm going to send it over to you. Why dentistry? Well, I always knew that I was going to do something in the sciences from a very early age. Um, I've, I've always loved like anatomy. I've loved, you know, uh, science shows, all that stuff. But when I was uh, maybe 16 or 17, I actually really had planned on going to medical school and becoming, <laughs> becoming a medical examiner. I wanted to do uh, pathology, forensic pathology. Um, and I, I was just like obsessed with forensics and um and I also wanted to become an FBI agent you know something along that line kind of that uh, again very analytical very scientific um you know that, that kind of profession now just like uh, Sonia I spent a lot of time at the dentist I had a lot of cavities when I was a child and um I actually saw now I'm a child of the 80s, a little bit older than a lot of you guys. So maybe not Sonia, <laughs> we're the same age. But um, um, in the 80s, growing up as a child in the 80s, um, when you speak to some of our uh, age cohort, you either saw um, the dentist that your parents saw. Um, and I know those kinds of um, practitioners because they were a lot of them were my instructors in dental school. And some of them I, I couldn't imagine seeing as a child, <laughs> you know, um, or you saw a pediatric dentist. Now, uh, pediatric dentistry is just so, you know, widespread. But when I was a child, it really wasn't as well known in, in the um, like in the community. But I was a very, very difficult patient when I was a child. They gave me chloral hydrate to, to sedate me when I had to see. And I remember, I'll never forget him. His name was Dr. Robert Fisher. And he had an office in Parkchester in the Bronx, right off the subway line. And he was just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I mean, I had everything that I had teeth pulled. I had, you know, like uh, popotomies, I had fillings, I had sealants, I had everything. And it was just, I don't know, maybe right around the time when I was 13 or 14, that it didn't, didn't scare me anymore. And I think that my experience with Dr. Fisher really, really shaped me as a patient. And I kind of had that in the back of my mind as I was navigating what I wanted to do when I grew up, right? And I don't know what it was one day. I think my mother was talking about someone that she went to high school with. She's like, oh yeah, this, this woman, I know her name is Carla, you know, she's a dentist now. And I'm like, dentistry. So maybe that would be an interesting profession. And I started to, you know, delve more into it. And, you know, unfortunately, um, I'm a perpetual patient. Um, I'm colonized with strep mutans. I've got five, you know, crowns. I have four root canals. I'm always in the dental office. So carrying that love of science, my experiences as a child, and the continued presence in a dental office, and I actually got to see what was involved and experience it, and was asking a lot of questions. Um, but by the time I graduated um, high school, I was like, no, you know what, I, I want to do dentistry. And if you ask any of my university friends, they're like, oh yeah, you know, Amanda was studying from the, for the DATs since, you know, <laughs> since we started undergrad, <laughs> but I always knew I wanted to do dental school. And it's, it's funny. I never really 
thought um, much about any other career. It was like I was like, oh, I'm going to do I'm going to do dentistry. That was it. And you know, I don't I don't regret the choice that I made. Like I have got a wonderful life here. I I love um, I love teeth. I like the fact that you can help someone. It's almost instantaneous. Right. Uh, some of the other medical professions, you don't get that, like, you know, that instant result. Right. Someone comes to you in pain in a dental office. Like even today, I did an IND uh, on a patient and, and it was so satisfying because he came in, he had a problem. I fixed it. You know, yes, sadly, the tooth needs to be removed, but we were able to alleviate his discomfort, whereas um, maybe in other uh, professions in, in medicine, for example, your results are not quite as immediate, you know, it's not as gratifying, right? I'm not a patient woman. Right? So I like to see things happen right away. So everything just kind of tied in. And a lot of it was also the lifestyle. Um, in New York, um, a lot of the dental offices are, you know, in, in homes, right? Like in an apartment or in, in a house or like, you know, somebody literally hanging a shingle. And I saw that and I was like, you know, I, I, I could have that for myself. I always knew that I wanted to have a family and um, I didn't want to have a, a I don't want to say career that, that tied me down, but I didn't want to have that kind of career. Just like Sonia was mentioning, um, I wanted to be there for those, those moments. I wanted to be there for those, you know, for my kids and, and, and stuff. But I found that the dentistry that I saw and was surrounded by and kind of used as, um, like as a model and shaping what I wanted to do when I grew up, um, it's not what the profession is now. It's not. And I mean, I've been out for 18 years and the profession has changed drastically, uh, even in the past 10 years. So is, is it like what I had envisioned? And I know you're going to touch upon this um, later on. Is it I, what I had envisioned? No. It's not. Um, am I happy with the choices that I made? Well, obviously, I, I met my husband in dental school. You know, it was. I, I like to joke around and say I had, had the two for one special. Whether <laughs> that it was a very expensive husband. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, two hundred thousand dollars in the hole. I had to come up with more than a degree, right? <laughs> Plus interest. <laughs> but, uh, but. Yeah, like uh, that's basically how I um, how I arrived um, at uh, at where I, I I am now and and why I chose the path that I, I chose and I didn't give any other professions any really consideration. Which looking back now, I'm kind of like you know why didn't I? You know I it, I I kind of wish that I had, and part of it is that you know middle age self-reflection um you know what am i you know what am i doing with my life do i see myself with you know doing this in 20 years um what what could i have done differently i think it, that's a part of everybody's the uh, natural progression into who they are as a professional as a, as a person but um i never gave any other profession any consideration and that's the part that i do regret no, I appreciate you sharing that and we'll definitely go into touch on that. But research has shown that it's, if you decide early on to become whatever that profession is or you take on that career, you actually can have an identity crisis later on thinking that you can't <laughs> actually do anything else. So you're not, this isn't a midlife crisis. This isn't like, this is at the, the science has shown that this can actually, that this happens, especially when you decide at such an early age to mm -hmm. make that decision without exploring other options, right? Okay, Keely, why dentistry? Uh, you know, I have to say dentistry was familiar. That that was that was the basis for my my decision. I was pulled in two directions. I loved acting and singing, and then I also loved science. And one I knew could give me a career with autonomy and security, and one um, was the opposite. <laughs> um, one <laughs> was, you know, challenging and my parents were open, you know, they, they never really, even my dad never really pushed me. He did 
in subtle ways, aka bring me in as a 10 year old to assist him in all of his emergencies up to 15. So I certainly got a window into that. Um, and I did love supporting people in that. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I, I suctioned their tongue out most of the time, but, um, you know, it was, it was a window into that world. Um, and, and as I said, I was, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be financially independent. I wanted to be, um, independent in, in my choice of, of where I worked and all that. Um, so I think the familiarity gave me a, oh, I, you know, I could do this and, uh, and then from there, it was just kind of a, you know, even in, in undergrad, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went and did a fifth year. I studied abroad just, just to keep going uh, to see if there was anything else that I was interested in. Um, but I kept coming back and, you know, I made, I, I, I kind of feel like I just um, went down a path that I wasn't fully sure uh, a resolute on. I was doing it, as I say, because I knew I could um but I'm also a type of person that I don't feel like I have to choose one career um I realize that we spend a lot of time getting to this particular career but I don't have a problem um saying well I've, I've had a really good time in this career but I would like to expand my horizons and do something else at some point um I've told a few medical friends this and they, they think I'm crazy because you know they spend years even more than us doing residencies and things um beyond but you know it's just for me I would rather chase the the experience and the education and you know have my hand in something that I still enjoy doing but if it doesn't fit anymore I you know I'm okay uh letting that part go uh, in my life but um, yeah, it's, it wasn't, wasn't a well, necessarily well thought out reason why I, I landed in it. I think I just, I knew it and I knew I could do it and could do it well. I care for people. I like artists and science kind of mix up. So, um, that would be, that would be my answer. I appreciate that every single one of us have had a different answer and listeners will definitely be able to relate to each one of your stories because that's the thing it's at times when we think back to that interview question of why dentistry we may have curated something to help us get into dentistry at that point thinking that that's what the interviewer wants to hear but then in actuality we had our own reason on why we wanted to be, become a dentist or be in the dental profession. And sometimes you really can't show up to an interview question being like, well, my aunt took off a day a month to make cookies or this is familiar, or right? So there's all these other things that take into account. And this is when we start to explore, well, what's happening behind the scenes and why do we do what we do? So ladies, Part one, we are coming to a close. I want to thank you so much for being here and listening. Part two and three is where we're going to start to get into work and life. And was dentistry what you thought it was going to be? How is it having kids and more and being a woman in the dental profession and the struggles that we may be still experiencing to this day and where we see it moving forward in the future. So thank you again for being here with me today and we'll see you at the next episode. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Thanks, Jess. What an incredible conversation to start us off on the dark side of dentistry. When we ask ourselves the challenging questions and become truly vulnerable with our answers, we can really start to get to a place of breaking through what may be holding us back, even when that is asking, why dentistry? So I want to challenge you and nudge you out of your comfort zone. It's time to think differently and change your narrative. Stay awesome.